Do you want to start a thriving real estate career, but don't know where and how to start? Do you want to become a successful realtor or investor, but lack the required knowledge and skills? Gear yourself up with the best and actionable advice here on The Real Estate Rundown. Tune in as Shannon Robnett talks with industry veterans about all kinds of asset classes, market trends, challenges, management techniques, and success stories. Listen to informative discussions with valuable tips that will serve as the foundation for your incredible real estate venture. Now, here's your host, Shannon Robnett. Hey, everybody. Welcome to season three of the Real Estate Rundown. You know, it's a new year. It's a new you. And we're seeing a lot of things change in the landscape that we have uh, in the apartments, in in investment properties. And a lot of that has to do with, with where we're going with interest rates. And that affects the bottom line in affordability. And you know what? The thing about affordability, that's a tricky beast because you're trying to make something affordable. You're trying to get a great return. How do you balance that? You've got rising costs. You've got rising interest rates. Well, here's the great news, guys. I've got Xiao Yan uh, on the show today that is going to help walk us through how we're going to be able to do that with tax increment financing and how we can monetize that revenue, bring down our costs, make affordability more of an option, and be able to provide a better option for the community. So welcome to the show, Shao. Shannon, it's uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, hopefully your listener, listeners can uh, get something out of the conversation today. Well, you know, here's the thing that we want to get to, because one of the things that we look at in development, and, and for those of you that don't know, I have been in construction and development for almost 30 years uh, it's it's always about how do we get the most out of our projects? How can we compete with yesterday's product that is cheaper? You know, there's uh, there, there's a cost differential. How can we make sure that in an inflationary environment like this, where rents are starting to get flatlined because prices have pushed so much over the next over the last couple of years, we're always playing catch up with cost versus rents and cost versus rents. Here we are. We're still trying to develop. We're still trying to build, but we're stuck because rents have, everybody's being bled dry, right? So how do we get these tax increment financing things that you talk about and explain what those are and how we can get those involved in our projects to help us make better projects? Shannon, that's a good question. And, you know, I, I think what, um, may be good to start with is just really a kind of a quick introduction on tax increment financing yeah. um you know how communities really used it in the past um and present to spur economic development and and really i think what i can do maybe on the last piece of it is answer you know really the root of the question is how can developers access this capital so Absolutely. tax increment financing you know i think is a you know, has, has been a fantastic tool for a lot of local communities looking to, um, you know, expand their tax base. Um, so in in essence, uh, what, what it is, is it's the incremental taxes between the uh, project prior to its improvement or construction um, versus the taxes that's generated after the project is built. And so the example I always like to use is, you know, take a vacant piece of land, five acres, you know, what have you. The 
taxes generated from those five acres is pretty minimal. Um, you know, typically most municipalities and most uh, in most states don't tax land um, as much as really completed products, right? You yeah. kind of notice that in your in your own homes where you know land is really just a very small piece of the value. The improvement is ultimately where the value is. But you know, so what tax increment financing is, you know, if if you take the difference between a five acre land um uh, the taxes on a five acre piece of land versus the taxes on a call it 300 unit apartment complex the 300 unit apartment complex is going to generate a lot more taxes so that difference in in the taxes is what a municipality is essentially allowing you to capture year over year so um in most tiff projects you know there's sort of a sunset day you know let's say they start the day and they call it kind of base value where base value in, in this case is just the land, right? The unimproved product. Yeah. And after you improve it, that is the new um, new new taxes. The difference between that is the incremental taxes. So a municipality may say, we'll allow you to capture that tax stream for the next 20 to 25 years. Um, you may essentially choose to keep it in your project as a, um, you know, as a, as a reduction in taxes, or you may monetize that income stream up front where you know you would sell that income stream to an investor um and they would collect those payments you so you would pay your taxes normally and they would collect those payments over the next uh however many years you got the tip for so so most often the these things i i, I hear you know these these uh tax incremental financing talked about in like urban renewal districts and things like that, right? So is it is it similar to urban renewal where you know you're you're coming in and you've got a million dollar piece of dirt that you're gonna turn into a you know hundred million dollar opportunity and the city's going to get that at some point. But uh I gotta offset the cost of doing business in your city and I've got to offset my rents because your city can't afford a brand new 300 unit apartment complex. Yeah, that's a great way to think about it. Um, what we really think about TIF is, you know, it's equity to essentially buy down the cost of the project. Um, so, you know, the the project made today, um, depending on construction costs, depending on how much land was worth, um, you know, depending on a myriad of factors, right? You're only able, to, you know, your your costs are X high. Uh, but in order to achieve sort of a return that makes sense for your investors, um, a, a debt service coverage that makes sense for your commercial lender. Um, you needed to be X minus some factor. And so really what, what TIF is, is to essentially buy down the cost of your, your development. So I'm assuming we've got to go talk with the municipality. Um, you know, we've got to get their buy-in on it because otherwise everybody would just do this themselves, right? Tell, t- what's the process if we, if we're looking at that and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of a couple pieces of property that I currently have under contract. Uh, that we're going to be building multifamily on. How would I approach a city to get a TIF, and and what are the steps there, and how hard is it? I would say, I mean, it's a pretty difficult process. Um, you know, ultimately, I think what a city is really thinking about is, look, I mean, you know, if you were going to do the project without TIF, why would we give you TIF? You were already going to do the project. I might as well just keep the taxes, you know, for ourselves, right? So TIF really needs to, and, and this is sort of true across the board, is that TIF needs to pass a but for test. So if if it was not for the use of TIF, the project would not have happened, right? And so 
really, you know, you, you, you think about um, in a lot of sort of growing uh, urban areas or growing suburban areas that want to be more urban, um, there is a, a desire to have more multifamily, right? They, they find that it, it builds their future tax base. Um, but on the other hand, too, right, a developer was not going to do the project without TIF. So, so it really is sort of a go or no-go situation. And so that is sort of the most basic hurdle that you have to pass, right? Um, now, if you're, you know, if you're showing tremendous returns without TIF, you know, chances are that it's probably not a project that the municipality is willing to um, give you TIF dollars for, right? It, you know, and right. really, that's sort of a commercial reason of you're going to do the project anyways. You didn't need our money. You're just asking for it because it's, you know, it's quote-unquote free. That's not what it is. Right. And it really is kind of a municipality's way to invest in projects that would have not occurred without TIF. So and and does TIF does that only apply to multifamily or does that apply to other commercial structures, commercial rental properties that that a city might use? I'm sitting here thinking of like the parking garage, right? I mean, that's kind right. of a chicken or the egg thing, right? We need more parking downtown because we need more people to come visit the shops and everything, right? But we don't have enough parking, so nobody comes. So that's where the but four comes in. If we didn't have parking, we make parking really easy. People will come downtown, but we can't make them pay for it because there's no reason, you know, we've got to have an incentive there for people to come downtown, no? Um, so I, I would say in general, you know, TIF is used for and a lot of times parking garages, right? But but ultimately, you know, if you if you think about um, you know, there, there's really like a few processes in which this goes through, right? Um, you know, you can't you, you as a developer probably can't just use TIF to build a parking garage, right? Okay. Now, now it ultimately might be where the the most of the proceeds is going to is the cost of the parking garage. But you also need an asset that essentially generates the value, right? So if you don't have an asset that's essentially generating that value, you really, you know, there, there really isn't TIF, right? Um, so I, I would say a, a big part of understanding TIF is that um, it, it's somewhat agnostic to how you use the capital in your capital stack or how you apply it to your cost. And there are some nuances that I'm, I'm happy to go into. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, right, you have to have an asset that essentially generates the the increment, right? So you can't just be a construction company that essentially comes in and you know build a build a parking garage. There, there really isn't a lot of taxes, you know, coming from a parking garage, right? And especially if it's a municipal owned parking garage, there really isn't much taxes at all. So so those are those are kind of the factors where um, the but for test is, you know, let's say you go to a municipality and say I want to do 300 unit apartment um, in you know, where, where we live is um, Carmel, Indiana, which, you know, is, has a prolific use of TIF, right? Let's say you want to do 300, um, 300 units of apartments in Carmel, Indiana. Um, the municipality may say, look, in, in order for us to um, approve this 300, 300 unit apartment complex, you, you need to um, build a parking garage. But because we're asking you to build a parking garage, um, we're also, you know, we're also going to allow you to capture maybe a certain percentage of the tax increment that is generated from the project. So, so I would say that's more how the conversation really happens. 
Um, but the sort of, I mean, the but for test really is, I mean, ultimately kind of that's, that's the hurdle, right? So if you, you know, if you were to require to be built, if you were required to build a 300 unit par- uh, apartment with parking garages, you, you probably can't afford it. Or, you know, in, in that case, right, it's not a, it's not a bankable project. It's a project that investors aren't going to be willing to invest into. Um, so, so, if, you know, right from, right from the start, right, that project doesn't happen unless, you know, there's tip involved. So how did you get involved in this? I mean, this doesn't seem like something you just kind of fall down a rabbit hole and go, oh, look, I can, I can find this stuff. I mean, are you, how, how'd you wind up in this field? Yeah, uh, great question. Uh, you know, so I, I started, you know, after, after college, I started working for a, um, I would say a large regional um, middle market bank that, um, you know, we had a capital markets group. Um, and so my specialty within that capital markets group was municipal finance, um, but especially in high yield, um, you know, high yield municipal finance, in which I would say a lot of the unrated tips that we look at um, are, you know, fall into that category. Um, and so that's kind of how I how I got started. Um, you know, but you're right. I mean, it's it's not really a field that you know you you'd think, gosh, you know, you you don't go to college to really go and learn that. Um, it, it kind of it kind of happens accidentally more so than anything else. Um, you know, it was sort of like, hey, I, I found it interesting. I, at some point in my early career, I went down that rabbit hole. And, you know, now it's really what I specialize in. So the company I'm currently with is, uh, is, is Hageman Capital, which, you know, we're a, um, we are a, uh, a component company of Hageman Group. Um, Hageman Group is a family office based out of Carmel, Indiana. And, you know, primarily the way that we we got our capital was um, the Hageman family sold a seed company in 2013. Um, you know, they were they were producing uh, corn seed and soybean, uh, soybean seeds. And, um, you know, that is how we got our liquidity. And so we created Hageman Capital really late 2020 and we started acquiring bonds in 2020 and TIF bonds specifically in 2021. And so that's really how I got into it. Um, you know, I am the managing director of Hageman Capital. And so, you know, my primary day to day is to acquire, um, you know, un- unrated TIF bonds uh, on behalf of developers. So when you're talking about, so, so this is not, bonds are not something that most real estate investors deal with right because that that's kind of that it kind of goes a little bit against what we know so let's educate our listeners on what is a bond right what what is and and how are you uh figuring that out and then how does that play into your forward capital stack because it sounds like you're purchasing the bond for for the long term cash flow uh and giving the developer the upfront money to do the project Correct. Correct. So, yeah. So, yeah. So what a bond really is, is um, you, if you think about it, it's, it's a secure, it's a securitized instrument. So, you know, earlier when I alluded to all those future cash flows generated from your, from your project um, that you're allowed to capture in TIF, what a, what a bond does is essentially captures that, securitizes that future cash flows um, into sort of an upfront payment, right? So in exchange for, for buying a bond for X dollars, I am entitled to receive payments um, for the next, you know, however many years, right? 
And so typically, you know, a bond is like any note. Um, you know, I'm receiving principal and interest in a regular, regularly scheduled period. My interest does not fluctuate. Um, you know, my principal amortization is set on day one. Uh, my interest payments are set on day one. Um, but you know, what I in, in return for that for those future payments, I am I, I made an upfront investment essentially to purchase the bond. So that it's is really kind of a fancy word for you know, it's really structured a lot of times uh, similarly to a loan, but, you know, unlike a commercial loan, this is fully fi- fully amortizing fixed rate debt. And most lenders will understand a bond so that if you're refinancing the property, the, everybody knows the bond still stays on the property, right? Correct. And and really, you know, I, I would want to take it a step removed from that because, What's ultimately happening to the developer um, on the developer side is they're just making their property tax payments, right? right? So the bond, the bonds that we purchase is on the incremental taxes the, the project generated, which is, you know, for a developer, you're just paying your property taxes. The revenue we receive that is eligible to pay the bond is from those tax increment payments. And so to a developer, all you're doing is you're making tax payments. Um, it's, it's no different than, than, you know, paying the taxes on your house, for example. Um, so but on, on our end, we're capturing that, um, you know, we're capturing those those streams over time. So let's throw some, let's throw some numbers to this. Okay. We're going to make this all up guys. These are not real numbers. Okay. But we're figuring this out. So let's say that we have a, a piece of property. Uh, we're going to go back to that five acres. It was worth a million bucks. Uh, the tax revenue on that, we're going to call it $5,000 for the year. We're gonna we're gonna put this 300 unit apartment complex on there that's gonna be worth a hundred million dollars. Uh, so we can obviously go that the tax revenue now would be five hundred thousand dollars a year, right? The math is yep. correct. Okay, so now I come to someone like you and I say we've passed the but for test. I've got the TIF. The city says yes, you guys could have a TIF where I don't have to pay those property taxes if. I build the apartment complex. Is that correct? Well, no, you're you're still paying the taxes, but what what you're doing is you're paying that five hundred thousand um, dollars instead of it to the municipality because the municipality collects taxes in in most cases, uh, where the county's collecting the tax in most cases. Instead, that five hundred thousand dollars is now used to pay for a TIF, right? right? So what what as the investor, what we're doing is we're going to present value that. $500,000 cash flow for the next, you know, call it 25 years. Yeah, but, but hold we're, on. We're, yep. Don't get so far ahead of me. So so as the as the developer, I, I'm going to build this and I have a $500,000 hole in my NOI, right? If I'm going to build this and, and I'm going to pay the taxes, I wind up $500,000 short of my desired 12% return, Right. We're just gonna we're just gonna make this up, right? So sure. I'm five hundred thousand dollars short. I go to the city. The city says, "Yeah, you can do a TIF and not pay us the taxes. You can collect that five hundred thousand for twenty five years. That now makes it something you would build in our city." Most developers don't want that five hundred. They want what that five hundred thousand monetizes into because we got to pay for windows and doors, and we've got to we've got to make this. Basically, we've got to make this apartment complex cost less so that it cash flows for us day one, right? So we would then take that $500,000 net present value savings that we are getting, and we would sell that savings to you 
and say, hey, we're going to sell you this five. We're going to now pay you the 500000 a month or $500,000 a year. And you're going to give us X dollars for that now. You're going to loan us the money, amortize the whole thing. And you're going to give us, what, $10 million as that loan? And then we're going to play that thing in reverse. So now my $100 million apartment complex is only going to cost me ninety dollars to build. My rents work. I can now pay you the $500,000. My investors get a return. Everything is okay. Is that kind of how that works? Yeah, I would say, yeah, I think um, generally, you know, instead of paying the taxes to the municipality, you're, you know, you can kind of think of it as I could either capture the taxes like an abatement, or I can sell those taxes. um, And and that's where, that's where as a developer, we've got to figure this out, right? I have a hundred million dollars that I'm going to spend. And that hundred million dollars, I've got equity in there of call it 30 million, right? And I've got to get a return for my equity, Right. And if I can't get that return, then I'm not going to build this apartment complex. We go through the but for test. You say, gosh, guys, I'm half a million dollars short, which is the property taxes. What if we did a TIF? I go out and I sell this to, uh, you know, XYZ TIF buying company like like yours. And then I capitalize my stack and I say, okay, now I have, I have, I have, I have $60 million in first position debt. I have a bond for $10 million and $30 million in equity. Now I have a $500,000 net revenue that I can pay the TIF company, right? I can pay the, the people that bought my TIF. So I can lower my cost, my expenses up front without having equity partners, without having a second position debt, and then at the end of that time period, once I'm done paying you, then I have then I turn around and pay the city. But hopefully I've had the appreciation of the value of the rents of everything else. And I'm able to pay those new property taxes when they come due. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I would say that's a good way to think about it. I mean, you got to think about it. You know, I mean, you, you, you're college educated. You've got you know, you've got uh, really smart people in your office. You're talking to a contractor. So we got to break it down how the developer looks at it, that you guys are bringing me money that lowers my total expense that I get to pay you over time what I would have paid the city in a property tax bill. Yeah, yeah. And and says, hey, in 20 years, Shannon's going to have an apartment complex that's going to be worth $200 million, and we're going to start collecting property taxes on that, and everybody's going to be happier for it. Yeah. Yep. It's a great way to look at it. And then you're, you're pitching that to the city because you say, Hey, I'm coming in, I'm bringing 300 unit apartment complex. You're going to have 300 more workers in town. You're going to have 300 people that are wanting to, you know, shop in your stores and do all this stuff. So we're going to create ancillary uh, tax income for the city with the, with the tenants themselves, which is another reason why, the city would want you to provide 300 more doors because the the property tax is not the only place that they receive their revenue from the residents or from their citizens. Yeah. Yep. Wow. I'm surprised I got it right. Either I got it right or you just gave up on me. I I can't figure out which one. (laughs) But you know, that's the, that's the amazing thing because it's that public private partnership, right? Where, 
And we've seen that a lot around here in Idaho where Amazon's come in and they've gotten a lot of tax credits. They've got tax abatements. Uh, they've gotten, you know, road widenings. They've got a lot of things done because they asked the city, if we bring all these jobs, will you do this for us? Because they have to hit their number, right? They have to be, they have to be something, yeah, they have to have something that works in their model, right? So I don't know that they were TIFs, but they were tax abatements of some sort. They were additional improvements of some sort where the city has provided them with upgrades and with off ramps and a lot of other things. And then there were some, a Micron is a great example. It's a chip manufacturer that just got a huge tax abatement from the city of Boise uh, for bringing in a $13 billion plant expansion, right? Uh, and so these are areas where the excuse me, man, that's hard. Municipalities are seeing that it's a value to them to to give some tax credits, to give some tax relief, to get things that they wouldn't get because of the price of things. Can you can you walk us through a deal that you've recently done that would be kind of a real world example? Yeah. So. You know, I would say most of the deals that we we do are multifamily deals. Um, so, you know, we have a we have a local developer that was looking to build about 160 units of apartments, and you know, the the municipality allowed them to capture TIF for the next 25 years. Um, so, you know, what we did is we essentially put a valuation on the on the TIF that they they're allowed to receive for the next 25 years. Um, and you know, what we did was you know we we like you said, bought down their capital stack, right? So um, they're they're essentially contributing less equity. Um, you know, kind of turned out. I think you know what we what we put into the deal was somewhere around um, eight million dollars into the transaction, which is probably roughly about you know ten to ten to fifteen percent of the full capital stack. Um, and so, um, you know, when we fund, I mean, typically we fund up front prior to the uh, prior to the really at construction start onset. Um, and so the developer was able to kind of use that capital as equity on day one, um, you know, take a little bit less debt, um, but also at the same time, really contribute less equity, um, and raise less equity from their limited partners. Um, so I would say, you know, a lot of the deals that we do, I mean, are kind of in that example, um, a lot of multifamily development where we are, um, and, you know, ultimately, um, you know, uh, they, the, you know, the project made a lot of sense for them, for the development team, uh, made a lot of sense for the city. Um, and so, you know, we, right now, I actually drove by the site a couple hours ago. And I mean, I think they're really, I mean, they're, they're going to be complete really sort of late next year. Um, and so, you know, after the, after the completion, I mean, really, we're going to be seeing their tax payments come in. So when you're looking at that, you know, Let's talk about capital stack, because I, I think that a lot of people, you know, they get caught up in the thought process of, okay, you got debt and equity, right? And yet you guys are a bond, right? You, you're, you're the, well, not you guys, but the TIF is a bond. How does that bond work with debt and equity? Is the bond really, does, does the bond really supersede the debt? Is it really the underlying first position, like if I'm, let's just say I did the deal and I default, the bank has to deal with the project, but it never, like if, if we had second position debt, second position has to, has to take out first 
right, to save its position if we go into default, whereas a bond, you you don't struggle like that, do you? No, and, and you know, I think this is why I, I always want to make the distinction that, you know, as a developer, you're not really not paying taxes on the TIF, right? You're just, you're paying taxes that it ultimately goes somewhere else. Right. And that distinction is important because, um, you know, if you think about your house, if you don't pay taxes on your house, it, it doesn't matter, you know, how how big of a position your bank has. Ultimately, the municipality needs to get their piece, right? right. So, you know, you, obviously, you don't have a tip on your, you know, on on your house. But, you know, let's extrapolate this much bigger into a commercial, you know, three hundred unit apartment complex. If you don't pay your taxes, and it's assessed, and let's say you just don't pay your taxes on three hundred apart three hundred apartment units. What's ultimately happening is, you know, because you didn't make that tax payment, the, the municipality essentially needs to be made whole well before sort of any other lien positions, right? right. So, you know, you're right in that it, it is a, it's a very senior position yeah. because all all it is is, you know, we are getting tax payments. Um, the bondholders entitled to tax payments as developer makes, and I right. think that's the distinction that um, is, you know, it, it's not really. Debt in the sense that, you know, you have an obligation, but you've always had that obligation. Even right. if you didn't have TIF, you still have to pay your taxes. Right. And and that's and, and I love the way you did that. It's not that you had an obligation. It's, you know, uh, I mean, in, in, a, in a normal world, if I was paying my mortgage uh, and not paying my taxes, my mortgage company would let me know that if I didn't pay it, they were going to pay it. And penalize me for it because they would never let me get into a position where my property taxes went unpaid because they know, as the mortgage holder, that they're behind the property taxes, right? So, so now I understand more clearly what you were saying there, uh, Xiao, and that makes a lot of sense because you're you're really you're creating a capital stack that instead of you know a pref equity or something like that. Your your company is super collateralized. Everybody understands what it is because you're, you're you know you're just you're changing where that tax goes, and that's where the bond comes from. So that makes total sense to me now, and I better understand it. I thank you for, for taking the time to clear that up. So let's talk about what you have seen as far as what these do long term. When you're looking at you know your company's been involved in buying them. What have you seen happen in the communities that you guys are working in? You know, I, I would say in general, the communities that have been pretty tip forward or, you know, I, I, and a really good way to put that is, you know, they're, they're more flexible with um, providing tip. Um, you know, they, they, that, they have thrived, right? Um, they've really sort of, and, and part of it is, you know, we've had a sort of an unprecedented um, economic cycle in which it, it's just expansion and growth. Um, and I'm sure that has a lot to contribute to it. Um, but I would say a lot of municipalities, especially locally, um, the municipalities that have, um, you know, utilized TIF, um, you know, have seen those projects um, really come to life and build their tax base, right? Um, so what it, what really a municipality wants to do with their TIF dollars is it, it wants to build a large um, tax base from their commercial properties so that individual residents of that community is not really on the hook, right? 
Right. And, and the goal is really to, to lower, you know, uh, everyday taxpayers' um, obligations, um, you know, their tax bills, right? Um, and so, so I would say, you know, I, I think some of the more TIF forward municipalities have been, you know, very successful in building these vibrant communities, vibrant downtown areas. Um, and I'm sure you've seen in, in Idaho that, you know, the, the communities that are looking to sort of uh, revitalize, you know, downtown. Yeah. have you know used some some level of um of tax and refinancing or incentives um in order to sort of spur the development right um now i you know i'm not a prognosticator of what's going to happen in the next um you know 20, 20 25 years but i mean what we've also noticed that i think is you know typically the projects that have tiff um you know really do look nicer just because there is kind of this higher level of scrutiny that you know, you, you're not going to just get TIF, um, you know, for, for any project that you want to do. Um, a lot of it is it has to pass through a lot of city approvals, architectural review boards, um, you know, th things of that sort, so that a, that a project really needs to look nice in order to sort of even be considered for TIF, right? Um, so, you know, you, you, you see a lot of these downtown areas that, um, you know, have, have heavily utilized TIF, you know, really sort of build these very nice, you know, very unique architectural projects that, you know, frankly, um, make, you know, it, it weaves into the character of the communities. Well, and um, I, so. I think it's a little bit of the chicken or the egg here, because looking at it from a developer's point of view, if I look at, you know, like, like areas that are being gentrified, you know, downtowns usually go through that downturn in the economy, and it looks kind of gross and grungy. And then here comes the developers, and they, you know, revitalize it, you've got that that gentrification in a lot of those cases, you have to build something nicer than what your rents are going to substantiate in the area. Right. So you're building something that, Hey, if I spend a hundred million dollars on 300 units, I got to be getting two grand a month. But I know that right now market rents are only 1500 and nobody in this economic cycle is going to cough up an extra 300 bucks just to live downtown because it has to look this nice. And so you go to the city councils and you go to the, the cities and you say, hey guys, I could build this as just this really plain Jane apartment building, just really, you know, look like I hired maybe, you know, a 1970s Soviet, uh, you know, architect, really, you know, cosmonautish, very, very plain, or we could dress it up like this, but in order to do that and really create a classy space that has, you know, really a downtown vibe and all this other stuff. I got to spend another 10 million bucks. I need some help. Right. And so, right. so, so I'm seeing, I'm really starting to feel how you can offer things to a city that they would never get anyway and a way to pay for it. Right. Because I can, I can do this. I can do this with, with, with Xiao and his company. If you give me this tiff, Right. Otherwise, I got to build you this ugly piece of junk that doesn't have any color or features and nobody wants that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. So so do you do you strictly work in in your area or do you work with cities or do you only work with developers or do you work with cities to help them understand this is what you guys can do to help affordability, help more products come on in your areas if you do A, B and C? Now we primarily work with developers. Um, ultimately, we we work 
closest with the source that needs the capital. Um, and in a lot of cases, right, it is the developers. Um, so, you know, most of our interactions really is with the team that's, you know, building the project. Um, you know, now in in times, I mean, we we are occasionally brought into a conversation with the municipality. Um, I think it's simply just to kind of get, get on the same page understanding. Um, and really, you know, there's actually a trend in in sort of TIF financing in that um, you know back in the day a municipality was really providing providing the TIF, but they would also support it with their general tax base, right? So that's kind of what we call like a city back TIF. Right. That's that's what municipalities used to do, um, at least locally. And I think what folks found out was that it it didn't make a lot of sense to kind of take risk on a developer's project when the developer in, in some instances are really just kind of willing to take on that risk themselves right so then this concept of developer backed tiff came about which is you know the, the tax increment only from the project that you're building is something you're allowed to capture and that if let's say there's not enough increment um you know you the, then it's ultimately not supported by municipality right so so there's sort of this transition in which, you know, I, I think as as municipalities are kind of looking more at developer back tiff, you know, we're we're brought into that conversation because it's sort of like, you know, in, in the past it was always like, how did you finance developer back tiff, right? It was always municipal back. Um and the municipality found a you know, found a TIF purchaser for you or found a bond purchaser for you and they supported the debt. But now, you know, because of this trend, you know, we are we're oftentimes brought into the conversation with the municipality. And I and I would think that that's just because you're a specialist in the in the area of TIF. Most uh, most municipalities are not. They can become one once they've done several. But working with somebody that's done them more often than a city might be very beneficial to sit down and have a conversation and go. How do you guys like to do this? What are the, you know, what are the, what are the rules and regs? How do we, how do we interface here? How does, how does this whole thing come together? So. Yeah, it's a great way to think about it. I, you know, I, I would say ultimately a lot of times what we do is we work with the developers and it seems like the developers are the folks that probably need the most education. Um, that's, you know, that's true. I mean, I are one. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and it's not something that developers are, are constantly thinking about, right? It's, you know, I think there's kind of this understanding of, you know, we understand, you know, developers understand um, that it's it's part of the capital stack. And, you know, even internally, right, you know, Hageman Group, we have a development division. Um, and, and, and part of it is we understand development from, from the side of, you know, uh, cost, construction cost, material cost interest rates, things like that, um, rent rolls, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, if you're not working in the tax and refinancing space on a day-to-day -day basis, right, it, it's right. it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit daunting, right? And oh, absolutely. if you think about it, it's, you know, I mean, a TIF could potentially be anywhere from 10 to 15% of your capital stack. Um, and it's it's really sort of like a low cost of capital if you think about it, right? Because it's, it's, Dollars that are treated like equity, but there's no equity return expectation, right? So, um, you know, that's kind of the side where I think, you know, if as a developer, if you're not looking at it on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, you're not expected to be an expert. 
And so I think municipalities, you know, sometimes will will spend time with the developers kind of educating them on on all the tools that are available. Um, But what we spend a lot of time doing is just educating the developers and and saying, hey, this is the impact on your capital stack. You know, Mm -hmm. this is what your, you know, really your your um, IRR is going to be, you know, without TIF versus with TIF. Um, So we spend a lot of time kind of having those conversations. Yeah. No, that, and that makes a lot of sense because how would you even know how to proposition the city with, you know, this, this, this would be a good project, but, but because, or what'd you say, uh, but, but therefore, for, yeah. but for, yeah, uh, you know, but for the fact that it's too expensive, right? We'd love to do it here, but now do you ever get into rent limiting clauses in those contracts, in those TIFs that say, hey, we can do this, uh, you know, normal rent in the area is two grand. We're going to do it at 1700 and provide some low income opportunities. Does that ever enter the equation? And it, it does. And I think it's based on the municipality. Um, so, you know, some municipality may say, look, certain number of your units must be at, you know, uh, 85% AMI or right. 50% AMI. And and usually, you know, that may be part of the negotiation of in order for us, for the municipality to give you the TIF, yeah. um, th- they want, you know, some sort of potentially some income restriction. That's not true everywhere. Um, you know, in, in fact, I think it kind of depends on the, the municipality you're working with. Yeah. So, you know, every municipality has their own sort of TIF stipulations. Um, yeah. And that's just something that, you know, if you're a developer, you're, you're going to have to sort of, if you're developing in multiple areas, you're going to have to learn some of the nuances. Yeah. No. And that's where you're going to do what I normally do is just walk in and go, Hey, I got a question. Right. And it's the guy that asks all the questions that is going to find out all the answers and know what the city does and doesn't want and be able to create that solution. But, you know, as developers, that's our biggest challenge is find what the city needs, find what the community needs and get rewarded for putting it together. So this has been a really, really enlightening conversation. Uh, and shall I really appreciate you coming on the, the real estate rundown because this is the first conversation like this of any kind that we've had. I mean, we haven't gotten into light tech or anything like this. TIF is kind of similar to that, but where you get into tax abatements and things like that, that's really another world. And it's really a nuanced world. And it's really a, uh, it's a specialized world. So in that regard, how, I mean, if you guys are listening to this and you're wanting to know more about how to get involved with uh, Xiao and his company and how to reach out to him, send me an email at connect at shannonrobnet.com. I'll get you plugged in with him. You guys can find out more about what opportunities he has, what he's got going on, uh, and how he might be able to help you on your next project. And once again, Shout, thanks for coming by and sharing all your knowledge on the Real Estate Rundown. Shannon, thank you so much. Really enjoyed being on. Hey, guys, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the Real Estate Rundown wherever you get your podcast. Leave a review. I'd love to hear your feedback, and we'll see you next time on the Real Estate Rundown. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Real Estate Rundown. Let these newfound strategies pave the way to start a successful career or a profound rebranding. If you loved everything you have heard, listen to more conversations at www.shannonrobnet.com. And be sure to leave a rating, share it with your friends, and subscribe. Until the next episode.